Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 128 for Monday, April 25th. I'm Alex Zubi. I'm here today with Farbode Markazi and Ray Estrada. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, is, I lo- is, <laughs> is Ray filling in the Rudy role? Yeah. All right. You guys, you guys were ultra efficient by answering at the exact same time. Love to see it. And one worded. Yep, all the criteria have been met. Uh, we got a good one today. It's been a couple weeks of baseball that we've missed, but uh, you know, a lot of a lot of very fresh news to uh, to catch up on, including everybody's everybody's favorite umpire, Angel Hernandez, who we'll get to in a minute. Some milestones, um, namely Miguel Cabrera, three thousand hits, and we'll uh, we'll backtrack it a little more too and talk perfect game bids and some controversy surrounding uh, those things as well because we haven't talked about it yet we're late to the party but uh all that ahead and before we do that go ahead and follow us at beat the shift bp to see what we're saying about all these baseball things as they happen and uh let us know what you think as well all right that's that's it that's the intro intro done time time for baseball uh i already mentioned this we're, we're gonna start with angel hernandez who had a legendary, and I, I mean legendary, performance as the home plate umpire. Not only the worst game score of this year uh, behind the plate, but I, I believe it was an 85% uh, accuracy on on strike calls, but uh, icing on the cake with Kyle Schwarber giving one of the most emphatic um, displays of of where he was making all the incorrect calls. It was, it was something. If you haven't seen the video, um, you, you absolutely have to see it because, you know, that, that one, that one will go, uh, and be on highlight reels for a while. Uh, Kyle Schwarber putting in, putting in a good bid there for, uh, I, I, I don't even know. Like that, that was genuine anger. You know, sometimes it's like, they're, they're a little bit chapped, but he was, he had he had an entire team full of anger that he was carrying out. So, props. I think he had two teams full of anger that he was carrying out. Probably it, it's, it was pretty it's, fair. Um, it was pretty fair incompetence, at least, <laughs> you know, on on Andrew's <laughs> part. It's one of those things where you, as a baseball fan, you kind of. I I mean, I think it's it's be it'd be kind of dead space and kind of not worth our time to just be talking about how bad angel hernandez is just because that's just every year this happens every year we expect angel hernandez to blow at least several games and have something like this happening i don't know if there's like a incentive of players he's thrown out or balls balls and strikes he's missed um in his contract or whatever but it's i don't know this is just at this point, this is a sign baseball's back. This is normal, and it it's kind of sad, but it's kind of fun to watch too. I don't know. Yeah, Ray, how how is he still here? Like, what are are we missing something? Um, because everybody else sees the <laughs> same thing, but Major League Baseball is uh they they love they love their guy. They, you know, he sued them, but he, he still they still love him. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we're not missing anything. He's a he's a bad umpire, at least balls and strikes wise, um, and 
I mean, I don't know the dyma- dynamics or the contract with the umpires union. And as somebody who is pro union in general and, you know, vehemently support, supported the players during lockout, I don't want to say like fire the guy, but like, I mean, there's gotta be some way, like there has to be fundamental changes to umpiring just to make it better. Um, whether it's like specific home plate umpires or just better umpires, which I think we're getting a lot of the younger umpires are coming up with like constant uh, feedback from like how good their balls and strikes calls are. But either way, something needs to change where Angel Hernandez can't, you know, be the biggest storyline of a uh, Sunday night baseball game. I that's, that's one of the things. Why is he umpiring Sunday night baseball games? Like, why is he? I I I I can't imagine Major League Baseball. The people who create these schedules are dumb enough to know that putting him on a on one of baseball's primetime nights is probably not the best idea. Why is he even there? Yeah, I I have no clue. I don't know how far ahead they schedule um, umpire crews at least. And I, I known about this Sunday night game for a while, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not it's, great. <laughs> I I I remember watching a podcast um, or listening to a podcast on Chris Rose rotation. Shout out um, with an umpire. I think it was Jim Wolf. He, he laid it out. It, being an umpire is a tough is a tough gig. You're not with your family. You're constantly traveling, um, and all like the best day for you is if no one's talking about you. But at the same time, I, I saw a tweet this morning. Angel Hernandez has missed over 2,600 balls and strikes in the last seven years from Codify Baseball. And I I, I mean, I don't, I, I have to see comparisons to see like the next closest, but I can't imagine the next closest is even in the 2000s. Uh, pretty absurd. Yeah, I mean, it, his, the, that's the thing. I mean, Jim Wolf. Well, Jim Wolf was the no, it was Jim Joyce, um, who blew on just Clyde Rock his perfect game. But yeah. it's it's not an easy gig, even if you're not traveling everywhere and doing stuff like that. And it's also hard to call, you know, uh, ninety-five mile an hour fastballs and a ninety mile an hour sliders, all the strikes. But a lot of guys do it pretty damn well. Um, and but yeah, Angel Hernandez is just so horrifically bad. Like you said, it. I mean, I don't think they're doing it on purpose because nobody mentions their name when they're they're uh good because i think at least in the industry the guys who are good get recognized but it's i mean no other sport has a singular uh official who is this notoriously just like you know you're gonna get scott foster isn't it yeah i'm pretty sure they're scott foster of the nba are um there's there's some things to look into with him of and his his uh, Chris Paul's record with him in playoff games. But sorry, not to cut you off. No, nah, yeah, there's there's absolutely horrendous officiating in other sports as well. This is not this is not like baseball's thing. But no, I'm not saying it's baseball yeah. things. But I think that's how bad <laughs> Angel Hernandez is. I think there's there's always there's bad stuff everywhere. There's guys with their reputations in every sport, but I don't think. Like, has anybody, like, Schwarber, obviously he didn't go super overboard with anything, but 
nobody's defending Angel Hernandez. I don't think that's I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that happen where somebody was like like everybody agrees with the guy flipping out on an official. Yeah, uh, you know I don't know because even even by, um, you know outrageous ejection worthy displeasure with with the umpire right like it's not even schwarber's was not even that like bad in how it's directed towards the umpire like when you think about managers that get like right up in in the umpire's face and are spitting at him and like shouting at him and cussing at him like schwarber's just out there it's more like it's his was more like performance acting like he's out there showing it's like you're calling pitches out here over like you can see with his body language everything that he's saying and and that's what made it so awesome but yeah like umpires take way worse crap you know way more verbal abuse and all kinds of stuff too oh yeah obviously but i think people can can definitely stand to chill out a little bit but you know this is this is where it matters most uh people are going to be upset which to that point too like it's one thing okay you know the umpires union you know they they got his back can't fire him all, all right do what you got to do but why stick him in the biggest games like you know you got a guy that sucks that you can't ditch like throw him in your lowest leverage situations like don't don't throw him out there in Sunday night baseball where everybody can see him in the in the biggest moments so to speak i mean just you, you can look at Russell Westbrook with the Lakers, right? It, they uh they can't get rid of him, but uh they're gonna stop they're gonna stop putting him in and when it uh when it matters most. Kind of That's an interesting deal. analogy. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you weren't expecting it to go that way, huh? We've got two NBA analogies in this first topic. We like basketball's fun. Basketball is good. Now let's uh, talk about Ben Simmons. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Who who is the uh? No, there's no comparison. I I I can't think of any comparison in any other sport <laughs> to what that is. But, uh, yeah, I I think that's enough. We we've said a lot, uh, to get the same point across, and that's just, oh, Angel, okay, so, uh, let's let's touch on this too. Uh, there's I don't know if there's too much to say other than congrats to Miguel Carrera on three thousand hits. That is. I I feel like maybe it's been a bigger milestone even for for some other players in the past, but I I don't know like Miguel Cabrera's three thousand like it was it was cool but um maybe it's just because we there, knew it there was wasn't a lot of fans so long yeah I think maybe it's just because he's so he's so good and he it, he, it was good he was good um it happened against the Rockies on like middle of the day because the game from the night before had gotten postponed and I'm sorry for my dog barking in the background, but <laughs> you're good. Um, <laughs> it was like, everybody, well, we had the whole Aaron Boone walking him and have it not really working. Um, on the, what the day before, I guess the game before he got his 3000 hit. And so that was the whole storyline. And then the game, the next day got postponed. And then that game got played on like early, like it was that, Thursday or Friday or like Wednesday, something like that. And also mm-hmm. like, Oh, maybe he has 3000. And it was, it was anticlimactic in a way. And also, like you said, people just, yeah, didn't have that much traction going into the years. Like Miguel Cabrera is going to hit three, get to 3000 hits pretty early in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I think people are starting to, maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but 
it's definitely not looked at the same way for whatever reason of how big of a milestone is maybe just saying the word 3000 like because he was already there doesn't seem like a lot but there's this is a moment this is always a momentous milestone in any baseball player's life and like throughout MLB history and mind like mind you I don't know if we're going to get one, another 3000 hit guy for at least 5 10 years Oh, the clo- it's good. Yeah, the closest away. one is uh, Robinson Cano, twenty six hundred, and he's thirty nine. Then is Yadi at twenty one hundred. He'll get suspended again. So. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Votto's just above two thousand. He's thirty eight years old. Uh, Nelson Cruz is, hasn't hit two uh, two thousand yet. He's forty one. Then Andrews and McCutcheon are the next two. Um, so You're realistically, they have guys like Altuve and Machado on decent paces, but they yeah. still need to play a long time. I, and I'm not saying. Even- Altuve's injury yeah. history. Exactly. I'm not saying any any one of the guys of I mentioned like have uh, like what I'm saying is the guys I mentioned have no chance and they're the closest to it. The fact is that this this is such a ex, this milestone is always such an example of consistency, like excellence, like availability to. I know Miggy's been hurt um, from time to time as he as he's gotten older, but look at my favorite guy, Mike Trout, he's in his early 30s and he's widely considered as like if he stays healthy, he's best player of all time. He's only at 1,400 hits. We don't know if he's even going to get to 3,000. Like, 3,000 is such a big deal that I there has to be more fanfare around it. And Miggy's, ne- like, Miggy's never done wrong by the game. So he's always been a fun-loving guy that everyone should be, um, everyone should want to follow and like emulate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, just one of the best to ever do it. And maybe, maybe part of it is too that, like you know, the players that are that are reaching their three thousand mark are probably not going to be anywhere near the prime of their career. Like Miguel Cabrera is not a super relevant baseball player outside of him approaching this milestone. Same deal with Pools when he got it. I guess Beltre was still legitimately really good when he got his his career trajectory is just kind of kind of different like that but it's, it's the case for all these guys maybe maybe that's kind of part of the reason why i I, I mean i was gonna bring up that point too of like cabrera and pujols kind of did it like we don't talk about these guys at the really. end of the career when, when their teams weren't very good and they were just yeah. kind of plodding along and catching up these milestones um and i mean i guess ichiro did that kind of but also, he had so many hits, you know, in Japan and MLB. It was just like, can he get to three thousand in just MLB? And he did. So I think that was the hype behind that. And um, yeah, like thinking to like ones that I remember, like A Rod and Jeter were still, you know, really good, serviceable players when they got their three thousands. Um, like Biggio was too, I think I remember. But like, yeah, Cabrera and Pujols is like, oh yeah, they were just kind of, they had really good early success and, uh, I mean, a long, a lot of early success for a long time, and then yeah, they played long enough to get to three thousand hits. Yeah, but so I feel like Mickey getting to five hundred home runs last year was also, I mean, it was a bigger deal, I think. But it was like, this is like one of the greatest careers of all time in terms of counting numbers like that. Mm-hmm. I, that those two combined, right? Thirty, uh, three thousand hits, 
requires a 15-year-long average of 200 hit seasons. That's that's crazy. Nobody gets 200 yeah. hits in seasons today at all. And then you look at you know 500 homers too. Similarly, like even if you're talking like 20 25 homer seasons, right? Like yeah, just think he's of, averaging. Think, 31 homers a year for his career and 187 hits that's consistency and that's that's with his recent like those three or four years where he he really wasn't playing and wasn't playing well Mm -hmm. or hitting for much power when he was after 20 kind of a resurgence but after 2016 the most uh the most home runs he's hit was has been 16 man so he's averaging 31 on the career he's really limping to all these milestones but he was seriously on a different level in his prime. I, I think I just remember growing up watching like, I mean, Sunday night baseball or like these national, uh, nationally broadcasted games and they would show Miggy's like BP. And they would always say like, if you ever want to teach your kid how to play baseball or like, if you want someone to emulate, like if you want someone for your kid to emulate, it's him is he's just always looking to like, just get the bat on the ball, hit it, drive it the other way or um, hit line drives and, He's, yeah, he's like I said, he's a model of consistency and excellence. Mm, I, I don't know. I, I want my kids to go out there and, and swing the bat like Ichiro did, you know, just, just <laughs> okay. leaning, leaning out of the box, <laughs> slapping the yeah. ball. Yeah. Okay. You're, Maybe you're Hunter right. Pence too. Hunter Pence would Hunter also Pence. be a good model. Yeah. There's some good ones out man. there. Yeah. Kevin Euclid. I'm only teaching the Kevin <laughs> Euclid stance to my kids. <laughs> A Rod, if you want your kid to, to learn how to bunt, A Rod is the biggest proponent of, of bunting yeah, small ball. A Rod definitely knows how to bunt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's his that's his game. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean the NBA owner? Lead swings down on the ball. <laughs> what does A Rod have to do with baseball? He's an NBA owner. Uh, that's that's three on the basketball <laughs> references. Is this War and Peace basketball? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, blast from the past. That's All a right. deep cut that nobody listening will get. Indeed. All right, let's Almost let's move on here. To this, but he won't. We're gonna we're gonna backtrack here a little bit, um, at least in the in the timeline here, just because we we haven't been on in a while. But we'll we'll start with Otani's, who had one of the most impressive single game performances that I can think of in recent history. Even though it didn't, like the final line, didn't quite get there. Um, he had a start where he carried a perfect game through five innings against the Houston Astros of all teams, one of the best offensive teams in baseball, just completely dominate, dominating on the mound with 11 strikeouts as well. And goes up there, he had a two-run double early in the game, uh, I think another hit, a walk, like just just adding it was a bunt a bunt hit as well showing off the wheels so he's yeah. <laughs> really just showing off at this point um he i think uh his manager joe madden said it best he was possessed tonight that was a virtuoso performance from the beginning he had a different look about him the stuff equaled the look virtuoso that's a good he quote was, yeah he was he was disgusting it was fun to watch so Joe Madden quote. So yeah, if if we use that to to kind of play into the other I have another perfect I have, game. Yeah, I have another bid. Joe Madden quote that will go into this, so continue. Okay. Well, 
let me bring up the other perfect game bid of note here, coming from another legend who's, who's been around a little bit longer in Clayton Kershaw, who his first start of the year, we're going back a little ways now, took a perfect game through seven innings and only 80 pitches. And similarly, what was the, the strikeout total at that point? Was it also 11 or was it more at that point? I might have been 12, I think. 11 or 12 strikeouts. Yes. Similarly dominant performance, super efficient. And he was put, uh, taken out of the game. Uh, and the Dodgers left it to the bullpen to try to finish out a perfect game, which you just don't see. I don't think that's ever happened in Major League. There's 13 strikeouts. Kershaw was at 13 through 7. Yeah, a combined perfect game has never happened. There's all, there, I mean, there's been plenty of uh, combined, minutes, but a combined perfect game has not happened. Right. Um, but there is context there, too, with Kershaw's, you know, buildup, really. It, his first start of the season in a shortened spring training hadn't thrown more than, like, five. 75 pitches. Yeah, yeah, 75 pitches. So um, he didn't want to push it himself. Dave Roberts certainly didn't want to, to push it either. He kind of ha- had to um, convince Dave Roberts to go out for the seventh. Right. He was yeah. at 69 pitches through six, and he wanted the seventh, and Dave Roberts was like, okay, sh- let him do it. And then Kershaw was like, yeah, I understand that. I probably shouldn't have gone past that. So, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy here because everybody watching wants to see the perfect game. And there's a little bit of contrast just between these two perfect game bids. You know, very different context between the two of them. But on one side, you have Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw talking about how, you know, his health is, is more important than the team's success in the long run. And, you know, th- those being selfish goals versus on the Joe Madden side of thing with the Angels when he was asked about it. He said, there's no way I'm pulling him out if he's throwing a perfect game. Like, I... I and I don't. You probably have a different quote than than this no, one. No, I, I don't know if this is the quote that you were referring he to. He said um, when he was asked, like basically, Madden said before the game that Otani would have an eighty-five pitch pitch limit. And he had eighty-one at that point when um, he was done, but that was when the perfect game was over. Madden said, "There's no number. He was going to pitch a perfect game. I'm not. I'm not going to get in the way of a player's greatness ever." Yeah, that's that's the quote that I I thought you had teed up. So I'm I'm glad. You got that one in there. So two and, and very both, differing both, both sizes there. fair sentiments because Otani is younger and um one hundred percent just more durable throughout the game. Out of of I think there's a fair argument that Kershaw probably wasn't gonna complete that perfect game. Like he was sharp but he was getting tired because he just wasn't built up. So you know I mean, risk injury for him to lose it with like you know one or two outs in the ninth and like oh now he threw 20 pitches over he has continued arm issues throughout the year (laughs) you know sometimes when as baseball fans we all complain about why the national tv um sports shows don't talk baseball but then whenever they talk baseball if it i i am reminded that i normally don't want them to talk baseball because most of the time a lot of them are pretty poorly informed and just have some horrendous or ridiculous or willfully ignorant or willfully ignorant. I think this is for the Kershaw side. This was completely blown out of the water. It, this isn't a guy that's 26, 
um, not coming off of repeated annual back injuries, shoulder um, stuff like that. He hurt his UCL last year. Yeah, the mileage he has on his arm. He's a old. Wait, he's he's thirty three, thirty four. He's 34. an old. Yeah, he's an old thirty four. The mileage he has on that arm, and the if, if the Dodgers were expecting to, if if seventy five, eighty wins was a win for them this year, I'm sure they would have sent him out there. But if the Dodgers want to make sure that he is rearing up and ready to go um, for for the long haul. That was the right decision, one. And number two, I think one of the other reasons this was blown out of the water is people are forgetting spring training started two or three weeks late or a month late. These guys are still building up. We mentioned this last time. And they had one less week of spring training. So it wasn't exactly. just everything up. It was they were short. I mean, the the – the Padres had back-to-back nights of their guys throwing no hitters and they got pulled after six or seven. I believe it was Manaya and, and Darvish. Yep. And then the same guy, Tim Hill blew it both nights. And then there was not this national <laughs> media outrage of like, like, Oh, you can't pull like they're throwing no hitters. Like the idea of a combined perfect game was so much more egregious <laughs> than a combined no hitter. And I don't necessarily, I think I know why, but I don't get why it was such a, big thing and people were drawing comparisons to Kofax and completely missing the point that <laughs> was retired by the time he reached Kershaw's age because he got overworked <laughs> with his arm and stuff like that. So um I mean it's it was yeah and the Dodgers last year lost in the playoffs because Kershaw got hurt. Max Scherzer had a dead arm, had a dead arm for apparently not being pitched enough according to him. But that was weird. But the Dodgers <laughs> had all their pitching got tired at the end of the year slash hurt. And that's why they lost in the playoffs. <laughs> and it, it was, and yeah. So you look at all the context around the decision to pull Kershaw. And unless you ignore basically everything about that decision. Yeah, sure. Analytics are ruining baseball and you ruined his opportunity to have um, his uh, perfect game. When in fact, Hanley Ramirez ruined Kershaw's perfect game back in 2014. Hanley Ramirez. Yeah. We have not forgotten I- same with you, Tim Hill. You're not safe anywhere, not even here. I, I had a com- I had a conversation with one of the people I work with, and I basically said, like, I guarantee you, if this was in July or August, he he would have been given a shot. I absolutely a lot of a, a lot of this is because, like I said, um, it was also 38 earlier, degrees in Minnesota that day. Yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. That's one of the reasons. But a lot of this is because these guys aren't built up yet. These guys. Or this is today's April 25th as we're recording. And some of these guys are just starting to get to that 100 pitch. And maybe some guys got it their first start, but some of these guys are still building up their um, their uh, stamina and their longevity throughout the game. And I I, I mean, I, I, I would have loved to see Otani make it go, make like go through longer and have the perfect game lasts longer but i'm honestly i was fine with with the perfect game ending too and having him um continue to build up and hopefully he'll have a better shot at that and as more built up down the road this season maybe in the future the is the national outrage over this was some people made good points and overall i it was completely blown out of the water well can i can i talk about this from the other side of it because as sound as the reasoning is coming from Dave Robertson. Look, at the end of the day, if Kershaw agrees that he didn't think 
he could have made it, then like that's you're definitely not going to make it if you don't have the mentality like I'm finishing this game. I like I got this in the bag. Um, I think that's pretty straightforward. At the same time, how many how many times throughout his career do you think Kershaw's just you know walked out in the field? He could have rolled out of bed and picked up six outs. Like like that's the that's how good of a pitcher he is. Yeah, right. So, I think, me... I think it wasn't an easy decision from Kershaw. I think it absolutely yeah. killed him the fact that he had to rationalize like it's probably not great. He, he was probably he could probably sense himself getting tired. Is like six outs is he said he could roll over and get six outs in his sleep, but it's also a lot of outs to get in a row by any well, measure. Let alone the, two... um, Sorry, yeah, right. Let alone pushing past there... current limits. No, go ahead. I was finishing. There's two. Um things i want to point out when you say that i think dave roberts also got a bad rap about that maybe it was dave roberts saying that and making that final decision but there's a very good chance this came from the dodgers front office and roberts had no choice no no uh, i'm just gonna say right now there's no. no there's no chance that managers are getting decisions handed down to them in real time i that, i disagree maybe beforehand not, maybe beforehand not, they not had beforehand, agreed um, I, I think beforehand it happens, and I, I don't know. I I think there's a there's a good chance that this decision was I, made. See, I I, I mean I think I I uh, I'll defend Dave Roberts. I think he gets too much of a bad rap of like, oh, all he does is just listen to, listen to the Dodgers front office. There's no way, there's no way this directive came down from the Dodgers front front office of under no circumstances is Kershaw going to throw more than 80, 85 pitches. There there's no way Dave Roberts he as a fiery competitor as he is, is going to be like, okay, I agree to that when he has a perfect game through seven. Yeah. And, I mean, and at the same time, yeah. I, I am not so sure that if, if Dave Roberts went out there or, you know, talked to Kershaw between innings and Kershaw said, you know, there's no way you're taking me out of this game. Like, this is mine. This is my, this is my moment. Like I got this. Nobody, there's nobody he would trust more than Kershaw at that point. Oh, 100%. So, you the- know, it's it's just one of those things. I think maybe that's what a lot of people are upset about is not so much the, like, I, I guess that's just a default statement now is just analytics or ruining baseball. Like, what does analytics have to do with it? It's just like, <laughs> re, like reasoning, like it's common sense. rationality it's is analytics. ruining yeah. baseball. But it's maybe the the, the other... lack of fire. It's it's the lack of competitiveness. You know, it it is an early, basically spring training start for him, in. You exactly. know, sub forty degree weather, but you know it used to, definitely used to be where every every start out there there was that different kind of competitive fire where a starter takes them out and this is my game, and you're gonna have to like, you know, like I I'm gonna have to really get knocked out if I'm coming out of this game because I'm not going down without a fight. I, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a very a, different mentality yeah. than before. I I, I mean. I would counter that that mentality is still there, but I think the players have more information on their side. No, it's different. It's different. It's 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 more about executing while you're out there, but it's it's definitely not the mentality of like this is my game, and like I'm gonna finish what I started. Like, you know, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, taking the, I mean, I'm taking this team like this opposing team down, and I'm the best guy for it. Like th- that kind of competitive fire. Now it's more like obviously yeah. you have to have that kind of edge where any batter that comes up there is like, I'm better than you. I'm going to strike you out, whatever. Like, that, I, that still exists. I'm not saying 
players today are not competitive. They are. But I they think, I but think they're they brought up the with job. that understanding yeah. that like you need to perform when you're needed, but this is a team effort. And as yeah. long as you perform when you are called upon, we will be successful. And I mean, there's yeah, evidence the, that the, that is the, the case. Yeah. So like players aren't going to be like, oh, I don't know about that one. Like, yeah, obviously, like if you have a pitching staff like the Rays, I don't think those guys are too upset. Like, hey, I only threw two innings today. If if the entire team is just lights out the whole time and they know that if they go in there yeah. and do their job and dominate whoever's up there, then they, I, I don't think those those Rays pitchers have that mentality. Like, man, no. I should be throwing this whole game because I'm the best pitcher and I can take them all out. Um it's clearly very job, effective the, to the share the responsibility. Or, yeah. The job lighter, or the job requirements has changed. I, like, I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. A lighter way to look at it, um, and I think we all got the, our points out, but I thought it was funny. I thought it was a great example of baseball's randomness and sometimes utter stupidity of how the first batter after Kershaw got pulled, just was and ended the no hitter, ended the perfect game. Um, I I thought it was funny that the second Kershaw got pulled, it was just like basically was, was like, Gary yeah, Sanchez, yeah. Gary Sanchez of all people, I think. Yeah, it, it was basically like, yeah, we're gonna add on to this anger from the national media because at, if Kershaw came in, there's no no chance that anyone would have gotten a hit. It, I mean. I, I believe that Kershaw would have had a great shot at finishing the perfect game, but you can't tell me that just leaving him in would have been like l- taking him out and leaving him in was the dis- was the deciding factor between a perfect game happening and not. The, yeah, people acted like it was a guarantee yeah. he was going to throw a perfect game, or like it was like well, he had three that, outs to get in the perfect game. We'll never was, know. That's exactly. that's what we do know. Um. Yeah, I was uh I was watching that game quite intently as I was uh during that that time period where the the Twins happened to be hosting the Dodgers. I was a, nice a Twins fan. I was a full-on Twins fan. And uh, you know, yes, sir. that was a rough one for for me in my in my newly uh, adopted love for for this team to watch them <laughs> struggle like that. It was it was nice to see Gary get get that nice hit there. There were a lot of Dodgers fans at, at that Twins game, it seemed, because there was definitely a, a mixed boo and cheering uh, reaction to the home team breaking up a perfect game against them. So the Dodgers fans are, are very well spread throughout the country, apparently. Um, I'm not... But yeah, the, the Twins otherwise didn't have... Uh, uh, okay, you know, maybe maybe they didn't have the best week overall, oh, but oh. I, I did learn a lot. <laughs> So are we are we saying that Uwe is a bad luck charm, or we, we, we need more data? I think we need more data. We'll, we'll we'll get into it in a second. I just want to point one thing out with um, the Dodger fans in Minnesota. So unlike that, there weren't a lot of Angel fans in Houston when Otani had his perfect game going, but there were a bunch of Astro fans on Twitter just saying everyone was just talking about the him having the perfect game. Everyone was rooting for him, no matter what team they were. Um, no matter what team they were supporting, there were people at the game saying that. So I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you want to talk about Ui. I think we want to talk about Ui becoming a Minnesota Twins fan for the week, correct? Yes. All righty. So 
I'm gonna re I'm gonna intro the segment real quick just so everyone knows. This is the first real edition of Sliding By. The name's still pending. We haven't really decided, but last week we did an intro. But it's essentially where Alex Uwe becomes a fan of a random MLB team throughout the season. Recaps are for all of us right here on the podcast. So this past week, past two weeks, since the last podcast, Uwe finished up his journey as a pseudo twins fan. So Alex, at this at the time of this recording. The Twins sit at an even 8-8 eight and eight record, but there's a lot of fun to have taken from this past week. So I think the place everyone wants to start when they talk about the Minnesota Twins right now is Byron Buxton. I mean, his manager said right now there's no better player in the world than him. I think he's the best player in the world running around doing his thing. So what do we think about your week of Byron Buxton fandom? Uh, it, it was quite the roller coaster, which I, I imagine is the case for whether it's a season long or a lifelong Twins fandom and in, in the experience with him. Um, he did suffer a, a knee injury only, I don't know, like five, five or so days into uh, me being a Twins fan. So I, I believe that is maybe the most authentic aspect of the whole thing is is experiencing a Byron Buxton injury, but also just how insane he is as a player um if i if i can trace this all the way back to when he was a a prospect two two years in a row was the number one overall rated prospect in baseball by mlb.com and the hype was real he was he was mike the next mike trout he was the best athlete that this sport had ever seen coming up through the minors and he just struggled so mightily through the first it was probably like three or four years on and off um yeah of of sample size in the major leagues where whether it was like injuries or just striking out a ton like he was just not able to adjust this major league hitting he was in the same category as billy hamilton in terms of like guys who are so valuable defensively that you live with them being horrible offensively right for people that don't know um or haven't been following our podcast since its inception uh, Byron Buxton might have been the first Alex Uwe man crush. It might have been. I, might have been. He might have been, and then he kept getting disappointed. But I think now we're back on the right track. I was enamored. Him. So, like, like Ray said, the 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 glove had always been there for him. Like, just a tremendous athlete can can catch everything. Um, you know, since his first major league season, his age twenty one season, very young in twenty fifteen. His, his WRC plus by season, which is just kind of a a good indicator of offensive performance uh, centered around 100 being the baseline. So uh, less than 100, 100 is, is below league average. average. League yeah. average. Uh, the baseline league average, correct. So less than that is bad. Above that is good, right? And then that's pretty self-explanatory. So 2015, 53 WRC plus. 86, 92, like getting slightly better, but still not very good. You know, barely getting on base at a 300 clip, not even really. And then 2018 had a minus two WRC plus, not his best showing at all. So major struggles through through all of that. 2019 turned it around, particularly the second half of the season was when he really started to turn it on a bit more. Um, 112, a bit better. 119 in 2020 and then in 2021 
man, like it's it's the rest is history. One sixty nine WRC plus, two ninety six WRC plus right now, which is just absurd. He is hitting everything, and he's he's just figured it out, man. And it shows that it just takes time, really, for some people, and patience is needed. Not everybody comes up, takes the league by storm, uh, no matter how highly touted of a prospect they are. But we might be seeing that right now with with some of these uh these top prospects <laughs> coming into the game right now. But that's that's a conversation for another time. But with, this one, you yeah. know, I I have. I'm a new Minnesota Twins fan, but this particular rooting interest in Byron Buxton has has sat with me for a long time, and it is awesome to see it come to fruition. He's homering just like every day, every single day, huge Sometimes clutch twice. home runs. Yep, just and even the balls that aren't home runs, he's just hitting missiles everywhere. Um, and yeah, so yeah. I'll add some additional Byron Buxton context for, uh, context for you. This is from. Uh, Jeff Passan, you know, mm-hmm. uh, notable Twitter murderer. Um, <laughs> since since 2019, like when you mentioned Uwe, his WRC plus went above average. Since 2019, the Minnesota Twins are 124 and 73. That is 101 win pace with a plus 233 run differential when Byron Buxton plays. And the 203 games, which is a lot, that he hasn't played since 2019. The Twins are 94 and 109. It's a 75 win pace and negative 97 in the run differential. In his last 162 games, Byron Buxton's as an 8.4 WAR. That is a top five, top ten, um, like season long yeah. WAR over 162. So yeah, Buxton, when he is healthy, since 2019 has been the player that we all thought he was going to be. There's an interesting point that Uwe made, and before I get to the next question, um, like the next plan question, about just being patient. And you got to kind of commend the Minnesota Twins on this. And there's a lot of, you can go cross sports. A lot of sports teams, maybe it's because the teams are in a market or in a position where they can't be ultra patient. But you got to commend the Twins for knowing what they have in Buxton and just making, like, finding giving him the opportunity to figure it out because he's figured it out at this point. And it's, I mean, it's so much fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. So outside of Buxton, who or what is the biggest key to being a real contender uh, for, for the twins to be a real cont- contender in the central this year? Oh yeah. So I don't know, like most things, it really just does come down to the pitching, no matter how impressive a roster you have out out in the field, like you gotta have the pitching to get you through the long haul of a season. Um, the most impressive guy who I I watched it all through this week and is just you know absolutely won the hearts over of all Twins fans. This dude is an absolute badass, and that is Joe Ryan, who he is. A small dude, not a big dude at all, but and, and he doesn't even throw that hard necessarily velocity wise. He'll run it up maybe to like the mid nineties, um, but mostly sits low nineties with the fastball. He just has a different kind of electricity in that arm. The fastball has amazing ride at that arm angle. No, like he gets a ton of swings and miss misses on his fastball, despite it not being that that fast of a pitch. He can locate it anywhere. He has a really, really 
good slider to to pair with that pitch. And that's kind of all he needs. He just fills up the strike zone. He's a fun guy to watch. Just tons of confidence. I mean, demeanor-wise, is very Marcus Stroman-esque. The stuff is very different. He's not a sinker baller by any means, like the opposite stuff-wise to Marcus Stroman. But, I don't know, the same kind of energy, you know, smaller dude, um, just just electric, and is just a total badass. So, if he is for real, for real, like, if he's just going to do what he's been doing to start the season, uh, you know, from here on out, then, yeah, let's let's go with that. That's that's an ace right there for them. Um, and then the rest of it is maybe the bigger question mark. Uh, I don't I don't know how uh, how up to speed you are in the rest of the Twins rotation, but they're running out arms like Chris Archer, uh, Chris Paddock, Dylan Bundy. These are some some previously very interesting names. Sonny Gray, um, who who now are huge question marks. And some of them have done quite well to start the year. Uh, Dylan Bundy, namely, has has done quite well. Um, the others, not as much. You know, we'll, we'll really have to see like what what comes of this. Um, this, I don't know, makeshift duct tape together starting rotation. But I do think it will it will really come down to that because if it falls apart, then I, I don't know what what are you gonna do? Like you gotta throw somebody out there, and. Uh, they don't really have enough otherwise to, to put it together, if you ask me. So on that note, um, and we'll get to potential weaknesses of the team in a second, but what what do you think their ceiling is as a contender? They're, like I said at the top of this, they're 8-8, eight and eight, but, so it's not a huge sample size. They're first in the AL Central, but what's their ceiling? Um, their ceiling is far from where they are right now because – Outside of Byron Buxton, the entire team has just been struggling. Uh, and it's, you know, they're 8-8 eight and eight right now. Byron Buxton is is really, really carrying the load. Uh, and that's that's no exaggeration. Uh, position player-wise, they have six players with positive war right now. <laughs> the rest are negative war players. And that is not good if, if that... So- if that wasn't clear. <laughs> so if we're if we're assuming that that's not going to be the case go, go, like going forward and likely so, some of these guys are going to come back up. Um and I would also point out that even though Buxton has been incredible, like otherworldly, he might come down a little bit at least. So was is does that make their ceiling AL Central champs or AL like, would they do they have a chance of winning the AL overall World Series? What, what that's what I'm asking the contender wise. Um, I I don't see them as a contender. You're you're looking at a team right here, who in a fan base who is just conditioned for playoff disappointment. What is, I I believe their streak is at 21 consecutive games now. In the playoffs, that correct. They've lost in the playoffs, so. I don't see it happening. Most of them to the Yankees. <laughs> for them. The, the one playoff-wise, their saving grace could be Carlos Correa just because he's been nails like every single playoffs he's been in. He's not had a good season to start it off, but I don't have any doubts really that Carlos Correa will figure it out uh, with the bat. So that could be a difference maker. Maybe scratch them at least one win out there. Um, I mean, they're no White Sox. That's for sure. 
Um, if you want to even talk like division contender wise, um, the rest of the division, so sure, a... why not? The rest of them, the rest of the division isn't that good. <laughs> and then I'm, I don't even know if I should, unless you have a different answer. I was going to ask about what can lead to potentially them falling short on their goals, but I think we've covered that so far, correct? Unless you have any other potential answers. Look, if they just continue doing bad, what they're doing right? and are a 500 team, that's that's not a playoff team. And they're certainly (laughs) posturing to to make a push for the playoffs. They've they've been very active. Like this is a very different roster than we saw last year. Last year being a really big disappointment compared to what people were expecting from the Twins. Um, So this year, you know, five hundred. You really can't take anything away from from how the season has started right now. It's just one of those things. And you should know you're an Angels fan. You just kind of, you, you have the best <laughs> player in the world. You watch him hit a home run every single day. You'll get some wins and you enjoy the ride from there. Yeah. And then you almost lose two, you almost lose uh three at home to Baltimore. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. hey, I was at one of those games. It's that just, was, it's just fun, enough man. to help, to help the, uh, the medicine go down. Right. I think so just to cap it off, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned Joe Ryan. Mm-hmm. So despite Ray, like Ray, myself, you, Rudy, our crew, being diehard, detailed fans, we follow the sport like religiously. We still miss some things from time to time, especially if they're specific or niche to an individual fan base. So what is something you've seen, something you've known? Maybe it's on the Twins, um, just their Twitter, their fan base, Reddit, their um, overall, just following the Twins. What is something you've seen or known? or that you might not have if you didn't do this deep dive? Um, well, one thing who definitely outside of Twins fandom maybe know by now, but uh, back when I was doing this a couple of week, weeks ago, uh, Yoan Duran, who is a reliever for the Twins, not even their closer, is just one of the most disgusting pitchers in all of baseball. Throws 100 miles an hour plus, nasty slider, and a low 90s split changeup that is just unhittable. Um, he's he's gotten he's he's had a little bit of a rough patch here in, in some of these starts, but I mean he's out there striking out three four batters per outing when when he is on. So um, I I believe he'll continue to be used in middle relief or like in high leverage relief situations because they do have guys in the back end like Tyler Duffy, Emilio Pagan who have a little bit more experience maybe uh, with, with nailing it down at the end of the games. But um, yeah, uh, Yuan uh, Duran is one of the best, one of the just filthiest pitchers in baseball. He's going to make regular appearances on Pitching Ninja, already has. So twi- and non-Twins fans will know him as well. Um, Joe. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it, that's spelled J-H-O-A-N, if, if anybody's curious. So Johan, but not spelled wow. like any other Johan. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then I'll, I'll I'll throw one other little thing that I I stumbled upon in like one of the first few days of of my Twins fandom was that um, so Rocco Baldelli, the manager of the Twins, um, earlier in the season, uh, he bought a bunch of copies and brought them into the club, brought them for his. Uh, first-time dad players, 
uh, a bunch of copies of Good Night Moon just to uh, <laughs> share the team. It's it's a must. It's a yes. must read for your for your newborns, everybody. Uh, Carlos Correa is one of the noteworthy ones there. Like new new addition, new dad. Um, he definitely got a copy, but uh, that's uh, probably something nobody knew happened. Well, that's no, pretty fun. I, I want a copy. I, my family had a, an English copy and a and one in Farsi growing up. I remember mm. that. Nice. Uh, so Joe Ryan and Johan Duran and Goodnight Moon. That yep. I, I've, <laughs> I, to summarize, I've, <laughs> I've I've learned a lot. Yeah. Um. It, I hope the Twins fan base has enjoyed this uh this little segment. I and Rockies fans. Uh, Uwe's heading over to Colorado virtually next, <laughs> and he's already become begun his time. He was there physically last year, but. Yes, yes, yes. But now he's going to be virtually and in spirit. He's already begun his time as a Rockies fan, so keep an eye out for that. And that's all I got. Alex, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I I mean, I even just in these first couple weeks of the season, I am already a massive Connor Joe fan. And uh, you Ooh, can't he has forget about the Crons on. Yeah, can't forget about CJ Crone spelled Cron because that's that's just how it is. We're going to the Crons on, baby. The Rockies so, uh, should sign CJ's brother, Kevin. And just have double Crons. <laughs> double Crons. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's it, though. I, I'm liking it so far. It's it's a nice little uh, little exercise to broaden my, my baseball horizons. Kevin Crone, for those, for those who are wondering, uh, is playing for the ssg landers of the uh kbo he, he last played i think in 2019 for the ah. baseball I, I i will say he he is one of the uh one of the uglier players i've ever seen <laughs> take a major league field i was trying to think of a way to just say that a lot more tactfully i, I couldn't i was just like i, I really hope um, I, I, got, I got chills have, i really hope our listeners have their bingo cards out we've had three nba analogies this this podcast we've had goodnight moon we've had uh Uwe calling a good night moon wouldn't be on any uh bingo cards like bingo what are you talking about <laughs> exactly we can make we can make that the free space um that's the point of that i don't uh, know i don't know about that one for good might, might have missed the mark Farbo, do you know how to play bingo yes i do <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't think you get. I don't think you get the bingo card analogy. All right, all right. This is uh, this is getting to be a little bit much here. I, I think we need to to wrap it up before things get too heated here. So uh, we're coming off the rails a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, I, I know I've, I've said that before, but uh, we're we're doing the thing. Baseball is going full swing, uh, and it's it's nice to. To have all these uh, controversial things to uh, talk about yet again. So thanks everybody for joining us. If you did make it this far, make sure to like this podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, tweet us at BeatTheShiftBP if you uh, if you want to let us know what you think about any of these topics. Perfect games, Angel Hernandez, Minnesota Twins, whatever maybe. So uh, yeah, let us know there and. Yeah, that's going to do it for today. Thanks, everybody, one last time. As always, for Bode.
Peace.